0: Welcome to the Inside Out Money Podcast.
1: Can't even recognize this place Too many pieces of our past mistakes.
0: Hi, I'm Maggie, and I believe real change starts from the inside out. So let's work together to improve our money and our lives from the inside out. We will explore all things money and our relationship with it. Join me each week with a rotating set of co hosts, friends, and interviews. Let's jump in. Do round and round and round and round and round.
1: you like my ridiculous headphones?
0: I was literally just going to say, I love that you're still rocking what are like very small child headphones. And they're, I don't, for some reason, when (laughs) we record in the past, they don't look quite as small in, in comparison to your head. They look smaller today.
1: Uh, that's because they are smaller.
0: Oh, your headphones. <laughs> I didn't know they could get smaller than yeah, they were Yeah, I didn't
1: before. know that either. And so after the last episode, I was like, maybe I should just get some headphones. And then I forgot that we bought, ourself, we bought a really nice digital piano that came with some really nice headphones. And so I was like, oh, I'll ju- I don't need to buy headphones now. I can just use the headphones from the digital piano. And so about 20 minutes ago, I went down to the piano to go get them. And of course, the headphones aren't there. <laughs>
0: Someone is traveling with them.
1: No, because oh, I texted Crystal, and no, they're just they're somewhere in the house. So oh, the yeah. kids put them somewhere. Yeah, it's and like good I, luck. I just looked all over the house for twenty minutes, and I couldn't find them.
0: Speaking of kids, we're going to talk all about kids in today's episode. So <laughs> perfect. Yeah, there's certain things on that where you're like, it's not even worth it. Someday when you're cleaning something else, they'll pop yeah. up. Yeah, uh, that's funny. Yeah, it is funny that they are getting smaller and smaller. I like it. I am like, I've just had a crazy week, like just super, some of these weeks I'm like, how did I used to ever go through a week like this and work? And I think some of it is I wouldn't allow myself to go through a week like this. Like I I wouldn't do, I wouldn't commit to all the things I was doing. Like we've had like literally three swim meets this week. And I like, some of them are optional. Like it's divisionals. My kids never went to divisionals before because I was like, I don't have a whole day to spend down at the Georgia Tech pool, you know, being, it was literally the entire day. And It's just kind of interesting because I'm like, I actually, I'm I'm glad I'm here to be there for that stuff. But it's funny because when I'm in the like heat of the stress, I often am thinking like, how did I once also have a job and do any portion of this stuff? But it also made me think of cycling. Like, are you cycling in this 93 93 degree heat in Atlanta lately?
1: Yeah, it's been, uh, it's definitely been hot. Uh, I'm in the middle of a Big training block right now, just a lot of volume over the next uh, last two weeks. And then I got one more week of big volume. And then
0: is vo- you mean volume like miles you're trying to get? Yeah, in?
1: miles. Like I do, I'm doing 500 mile weeks right now. And so,
0: oh my gosh, I haven't driven 500 miles in a while.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I've got seven, I've got seven weeks until nationals. So get a big, big volume block in now. And then July, first two weeks, August will ramp up more intensity. But yeah, just focused on that right now.
0: Where's Nationals?
1: It's in Augusta, Georgia.
0: Oh, that's interesting. That's yeah. so close. There, usually like somewhere else in the US, right?
1: Yeah, it was in Albuquerque, New Mexico last year. And so being able to drive to Nationals when you got to bring two bikes with you is awesome. So okay. I'm really looking forward to it being in Augusta.
0: It's exciting. I only say that I was stopping myself just so you know, because I am like incapable of recording shorter episodes and i'm on most of the problem like there's like three things that i almost said to you just so you know that i was like nope i'm not gonna start this it's not yeah
1: wait your last ep- The last episode with Erica, when you guys kicked off and you're like, we're going to do a short episode and it was 15 minutes. And I was trying to chuckle in about that.
0: <laughs> I know. It's it's kind of like a lot of things where when, when when you'd like walk into a meeting at work and they're like, oh, we don't need the full hour. I was like, you just jinxed the whole meeting. We're definitely going to need... This is going to run long now. Thanks. So anytime I say that at the beginning of an episode, I know we're not going to make it through. Okay. I'm excited to talk about this kids discussion.
1: Absolutely. Me too.
0: Speaking of being a kid also, you see my Love new girl?
1: the Yeah. I got...
0: I also got purple on this week, which I was very excited about.
1: Yeah, because you're matching the microphone and you're inside out money. I am. That too.
0: And I'm wearing my shirt. I'm not wearing... I, I thought this counted as tie-dye, by the way. It's very yeah. tie-dye. It's very tie-dye-esque. Yeah. And I've owned this shirt since I was... Uh, night. I mean, this shirt says summer of 90. It's from Ocean City, New Jersey, which is where I vacationed as a kid and adult sometimes. And I've had this shirt... Since 1990, and it's still rocking. hasn't hasn't fallen apart yet. Thanks to my mom for hanging on to it. And I felt like since we're talking about kids, I'm going to dress like a child, which I've been I've been dressed like this all day though. So wasn't Whatever exactly. And and you're wearing kids headphones. It's perfect. Yep. We're gonna act like some big kids while we talk about kids because we both have kids. Andrew has two. As a reminder, I've got three, and I think we both are very. I don't know if motivated is the right word, but we want to set our kids up for financial success.
1: Absolutely. It's a a priority right coming back to intentional yeah. spending it's it's, yeah. it's a priority
0: yeah it's something that matters to us like the what everything we know about money and finances and we want to make sure that we pass that knowledge and also some you know head starts in life along to our kids and there are so many things we could talk about related to kids like this is one of those topics where you know we we could do 10 different episodes on this so we're really going to hit some of the Starter things that I think are worth thinking about, that I think we both think are worth thinking about as we think about how to set up our kids for financial success. There's a ton more you could do. This is kind of like the 101 discussion, is what I would say. There's a ton more you could do around more tax advantaged accounts and more sophisticated approaches as your kids start to make money for themselves and other things like that. We may kind of mention a few of those things, but these are just some of our starter things and some of our favorites. And I'd also remember that as your kids progress in age, these conversations are going to evolve. So if you have a newborn, I think this discussion will mean will 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 be different for you to of what you might take or glean from it versus if you have, you know, a 15 year old.
1: Yeah. I mean, my my kids are are nine and six. And so yours are yours are a little little older. But I always I always like hearing from people who've got older kids so that They can talk a little bit about what I'm in for, right? To try and prepare myself.
0: Yeah. You saying what you're in for, Andrew, just reminded me, Greg and I were just talking about this the other day. My prediction of like my early retirement prediction of how much money we would need to spend assumed pretty relative spending around our children, like flat, sorry, relatively flat spending around our children of like, oh, what we spend on our kids in the last few years will be similar to what we spend in the next 10 years. I was very wrong. Like the cost of sports alone that hadn't, we hadn't, we just hadn't gotten into more expensive club sports and we're starting to get into it now. And we hadn't gotten into, they just, they want things now and we certainly don't get them a lot of things they want and Mm -hmm. we make them work for it. We'll talk about that, but it still is just, it's more expensive. Like we were just sort of talking about, we were like, oh, like four and Five year olds, they don't ask for much. Yeah. You know, they might want some like candy or a treat, but like they just don't. And I don't know, maybe if you like walk them into Target or something, they ask for toys, but they just, ours did not request a lot in many ways. And that is changing. And like makeup, I don't know, there's a whole category of things where I'm like, oh, I just didn't even realize this or think about it. So
1: I was talking to my mom a couple of weeks ago about various topics and, and she reminded me how, quote, expensive I was as a High school and college kid.
0: Is it because you were cycling, or because no, you don't just, seem just like in, you'd be?
1: Just in, in general, as kids get old, she, okay. she was making the t- comment that me and my two sisters we definitely got more expensive as we as we aged.
0: Yeah, and, that's interesting. It, this is the same mom that thought our podcast might be video, right? That she'd get right. to see us while we... I don't think she fully knew. And by the way, shout out to Andrew's mom. I'm not making fun of you in any way. I, th- I thought it was super cute. Andrew had sent me like a little text exchange between them and she was like, oh, I thought I was going to be able to see y'all's faces. And I was like, oh, I-, I can send her the raw video if she wants to look at it.
1: She definitely would like to see the raw videos. or
0: Maybe we'll send her this one since she got a shout out on it. She can see my new purple braces. Okay. So the, the number... One thing on my list for how to set your kids up for financial success is to teach them about money. Mm -hmm. Just the open discussions about money. And this can be, and again, this is going to evolve as they're different ages, but I'll tell you a little thing that I always do with my kids. Anytime we're shopping somewhere and they bring me something and say, Mm -hmm. I want this, even when it's at Aldi at the grocery store. When it's like a piece of food where I'm like, I obviously pay for their food versus, you know, if it's a toy at Target or something like that, I say, how much does this cost? And for a long time they'd be like I don't know. And I'd be like well go look. And was there something similar that was of a similar price? Like Aldi will have cookies that cost a dollar and then they'll have some cookies that cost $5. Mm-hmm. And if they really care, I'm like well you could get like 5 of these packs of cookies or you could get and you know there's there's a lot of things that go into a decision like that but just the idea of we are very conscious about having very open and honest discussions with our kids about money and I have like mixed reviews on things like allowance and stuff like that like and just in the this sense of whether it's like worked for us. And I know there's certain people who really like to do different approaches of like when they get money for a gift or a, from a family member, they have different jars and they'll save a percentage of it and give away a percentage of it and spend a percentage of it. And I'm not, I don't necessarily want to get into like the specifics of which thing like that will work best for your family. I try a lot of different things like that and see what works for you. Like allowance worked for us for a short period of time and then just didn't really like the kids. It got to the point where I was like, well, you have, done the things you need to do for allowance, which were just some basic chores. And Mm. they were like, oh, I'm good. I don't care. To me, this is just often simple lessons and open discussions along the way. Like, are you very, do you you talk to your kids a lot about money?
1: You know, we've, we've started to, like one thing that came up last week was I'm in a constant struggle with my kids to turn the lights off. Mm. And
0: same here. Doesn't change over time.
1: it It doesn't change. And so I actually, you know, pulled up the, pulled up the electric bill and showed them as like brielle and brendan come over here take a look at the you know what do you think the electric bill is each month brielle actually came pretty close she thought it was 80 dollars, and hmm. it was 120 uh so you know i just said i i always like i use the phrase a lot like x doesn't grow on trees right last time yeah. i checked x doesn't grow mm-hmm. on trees and so
0: that's an official parent phrase it's like handed down when you become a parent you get it every, you get a book every... of these phrases at the hospital
1: yeah so so I use I use that one a lot and you know I, I think it's it's trying to teach a mentality to not be wasteful right yeah. whether across anything right electricity is just one example but trying to instill that scarcity mindset mm-hmm. t- and teaching them that now they're nine and six right they're they haven't kind of fully grasped the they, they have a piggy bank and they've gotten, you know, $2 from the Tooth Fairy and some, a little bit of cash from, from some birthdays from some relatives, but they have not gotten to the point where they're going into Target and, you know, bringing, bringing things to, to Crystal to say, Hey, I want to buy this. Right. So they, the, the want and the desires have not started completely yet for us. If
0: you, if you walk through Target with them, they don't ask you for things.
1: One, I don't do the Target shopping. So that's (laughs) Crystal. Good for you. But rel- relatively... Yes, it's not they have mm. not gotten to that that point.
0: That's interesting.
1: One thing that we're we're big on is my kids don't watch a lot of TV. And so any they're not exposed to the advertisements. And I think yeah. that's a big thing that that helps with, with some of this.
0: Yeah, that's a very good point. I mean, on that note, because a lot of kids do when you walk into any store, whether it's a gas station and there's candy around, whether it's I mean, I, I can't get through like the checkout at Target. Most of the time I don't take my kids to Target unless they need something specific. But when I just need Stuff. I don't even take them because it's not worth it. I don't, because I'm good at saying no, but it's exhausting sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I'm sometimes just like, I just would like to avoid the situation and avoid the temptation for them because they don't, you know, it's just like an adult, like you put less temptation in front of somebody and they want something less to your point about advertisements. And so the other thing when we're talking about teaching kids about money is the power of no, right? I think we did an yeah. entire episode on Friends on Fire on this. I'll put it in the show notes, but you can say no to your children. You are in charge. Yeah. They, they can beg you for things, but but you're actually teaching them something when you say no. You're teaching them about moderation. Use the term mm-hmm. scarcity, right? I don't want my kids to have a scarcity mindset, but I do want them to have a like no waste mindset and understand mm-hmm. that there are resources in this world that are scarce and money does not grow on trees, as you said. And so I I just think you know the the biggest thing you can do to set up your kids for financial success is to teach them about money and be open and honest in a way that doesn't scare your kids about finances, right? So, and I say. They don't scare your kids. Like if you're stressed about paying the power bill because, and you think it might go off next month, you don't necessarily need to tell your kids that. But you should tell your kids if there are stress, broader stresses, I believe, on your finances that the family can do something to help out about and say, look, we're all going to have to kind of tighten our belts a little bit about something. I've We have very open conversations with our kids about our decision to retire early and how that will limit some things that we can spend our money on. I mean, the kids were like asking for us to put a pool in our backyard. I was telling them half jokingly, I was like, well, I'm going to need to go back to work if we're going to do that. And then one of them was like, that's fine. And I was like, okay,
1: <laughs> you called my bluff. Tell me how you really, Feel.
0: Yeah, I know he called my bluff. They're, they're like they don't care. They just want the pool. She wants the pool. She wants to practice swimming laps in the pool all day. But yeah, I just think there's there's a lot in talking to your kids, being open, being vulnerable, and it, it's the whole concept of why I originally started the Friends on Fire podcast with Mike. But it was talking about to your friends and family, and your family includes your children. So talk to your kids about money.
1: I think it's a, I think you can reinforce. Well, we we like to reinforce that money comes from work, and so when we would go on vacations, you know, why do we get to go on vacation? Because daddy's working, right? And so just making that equate, making that connection, I feel is is important.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think that's related to the next point, which is one of the big kind of second steps in teaching your kids about money is holding them accountable to manage money themselves. So- Mm -hmm. Teaching them it comes from work and now you are in an age and your kids are old enough to do this now, Andrew. There, there's a bunch of different ways you can teach them to be accountable about money from them earning money themselves to do the things they want to do to we did something recently that i'm going to keep doing which is you know when we're traveling and on vacations and sometimes we're on longer vacations they're always asking for things and they'll do it on like the first day and i'm like oh yeah like two more weeks or last summer i was like we have six more weeks you might want to hold you know wait we only have so much space and we don't want to you know spend a ridiculous amount of money on this stuff and so we started giving them a budget and just said we we were at disney once and i was like i I know we were i knew we were going to spend money at disney so i was like you guys have 100 bucks what do you want to spend it on you know and it doesn't even have to be a a really tiny budget depends what your own personal budget is but tell them how much money they have for how many days and say look you can spend it all in one day or you can spend it throughout it you can save it for one of my kids is so good at delayed gratification and she will save it all till the end we and we do this with our kids now they're getting older to the point about kids as they get older spending more when they want to go do things with their friends. I will give them opportunities to earn money. Like I said, allowance didn't really work for us, but it does work where I'll say, hey, who wants to go clean a bathroom? I'm paying $5 a bathroom. And I've taught them how to clean the bathrooms very well. Just to be clear, the the version of cleaning the bathroom that they do takes like 15, 20 minutes and they make five bucks. That's a solid Mm -hmm. hourly rate for an 11 year old or a 14 year old. Mm -hmm. And so I give them opportunities and real time to earn money. And that seems to work better for us than this allowance thing where it's like, oh, and we're, we've are we got kids coming and going in different houses. And so it's a little, little confusing to even do allowance. But I like giving them opportunities to earn money and then letting them spend the money they earn. So if they want to go out, like lately a trend is that a bunch of the middle school kids every Friday night during the school year, they go to this pizza place. And I'm like, we're not eating out as a family tonight. So like, I'm not going to pay for you to go eat out with your friends, but I've given you Ample opportunities to earn money. And they're really good with that now. Like they have a very good concept of how fast they can spend money and how fast they can earn money. And so it's kind of like your point of, you know, when you're on vacation and reminding them of like, hey, I had to work to earn the money for us to go mm-hmm. do this.
1: Well, I think what you're doing is you're giving them choice you're you're forcing them to make choices, mm-hmm. which is exactly what they will face as adults. Yes, and so I think that is, that is a instilling that mentality of I can do X or I can do Y and X is going to cost me $5 and Y could tr- cost me $10 and I'm going to make that choice.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And there's a ton of different things you can do. There's different, I'm not. we're not going to get into it, but there are a lot of different tools and apps you can use and and like kind of starter credit cards you can do to actually yeah. Are you used, your kids did you money? you use
1: a debit card or anything?
0: Well, so we're actually using Apple Cash. It's really easy. They all have an iPhone. So they have an iCloud account and you can transfer cash to their account whenever you want. So when someone sent, when they do a chore, I say, hey, do you want this to go into your savings account? Or do you want this to go to your Apple Cash? They don't keep too much money on their Apple Cash, but it works just like a credit card. It's in your wallet. Any place that takes Apple Pay takes Apple Cash. And it's super easy to do. And then Every now and then there's a place where they're going somewhere and we will hand them, we've actually gotten them credit cards in their name on one of our accounts, on one specific account. And we, Mm -hmm. they don't even need a credit card in their name, though you could just hand them any credit card. Nobody ever checks IDs on credit cards anymore, but- we sometimes will give them a credit card and then get it back from them. Um, but we, I know people who do like. There's some special. I can't remember what they're called, but there's a couple of different companies that do like credit cards, debit cards, very focused towards children. But they put there's fees on the transactions, which mm-hmm. I don't love. So, so yeah, it's like that. That's like a lot of things to me. I'm like, I'm less worried about exactly which method you're doing, and more worried. About, I, I'm more. I'm like, give your kids a way to earn money, and then give your kids the responsibility and accountability to spend their own money it's you don't need to just hand money out to them I was talking to another parent about this a few weeks ago and they were welcomely shocked and surprised they were like 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 I had given them permission that they don't just need to hand their kids money every time they want to go do something I was like oh no I don't my kids want to go to six Flags with their friends cool I bought them the six Flags ticket you know like I, I we bought season tickets so like they're covered there and if we're doing something as a family I'm paying for it but if they want something like superfluous it's not some not something that I would choose to spend my money on. They're spending their own money on it. And, and it really has, I, I think with our kids, it's really teaching them the value of, of earning and spending money.
1: At what age did you start having... Mm those conversations with them or or when did you start l- allowing them to earn money
0: I think it started in the last couple of years so right around the age of your oldest Andrew right okay. now so right around like 9 10 and it yeah. it got it got significantly like it started to really land in the last year or two so 10 and up i would okay. say and it like really is landing with our 14 year old like she really yeah understands the, and the, the other dude too, but like my 11, one of the, one of the younger ones still will spend the money she earns very flippantly. Like mm-hmm. I think she still thinks it grows on trees and she could just clean bathrooms for the rest of her life. Like, you know, she's not thinking about, she's just not really great at delaying gratification, but I also think that's a skill you can hone over time.
1: Agreed. All right. So let, let's talk about 529 plans a little bit. Cause I think having, having a discussion about 529 plans and kids kind of go hand in hand. Does yeah. So I'm a big fan of 529 plans. So we opened up accounts pretty soon after our kids were born. I actually just went back and looked and Brielle's, we were a little bit later on hers. We opened hers about six months after she was born. And then Brendan's, we opened the same month that he was born. I was kind of, I was on top of things when Brendan came around.
0: Hey, Andrew, I think most people know what a 529 plan is, but just give me the like quick version.
1: Yeah. So, 529, a lot of times they're referred to as college savings plans, but they're more, they're really education savings plans because they can be, they're more broad than just college. But it's a very tax efficient way to to save for educational expenses and primarily college. And so the best way to think about it is it's like a Roth IRA college expenses. So the money goes in post-tax, but then the growth of that money is tax-free. And then when you pull the money out, it's tax-free as well, right. because you've already paid those taxes. So that's why it's super powerful because it's so tax-efficient. Tax um, the tax-free growth is uh, is huge.
0: And there's an additional tax advantage, which is many states, not all, offer some sort of an income tax deduction. If you, if you- you use your state's plan. So That's right. like I have a Georgia 529 plan, but I also through Wealthfront have, I think they use like Nevada or something. I don't care because I'd already maxed out my Georgia one at the time and I liked it being in Wealthfront. It was just easy. Mm-hmm. And so I have like two different ones. I have a Nevada okay. one and I have a Georgia state one.
1: Yeah. So you, you can pick various, you don't have to live in the state. Most states offer them but the, like you said, the benefit, like for Georgia, for example, you can get a $8,000 income tax reduction per beneficiary per child. So if you're contributing a significant amount to your 529 plan, that can be a, a good savings on your, on your state income taxes for Georgia.
0: The other interesting thing you can do with the deductions on your income taxes, Andrew, is you can super fund it which is kind of the, I don't know if that's the technical term for it. Um, but do you know about this? No. So this is actually super helpful for early retirees, because if you want to, well, it's not just for early retirees, but if you want to take advantage of more compound interest, instead of you doing that $8,000 per year, I'm going to take mm-hmm. a really simple example. You can super fund it and say, I actually want to, when they're you know just born or when they're five years old, or whenever you have an influx of money, you might want to say, I want to do that times five years. So eight times five, I've had a really, long week. What is eight times five, Andrew? 40. 40. I thought it was, but it was just double checking. Eight times five. So 40, th- I can put $40,000 in at once and then I can t- it take my, I can still get, I can spread that out and take my tax deduction over five years. I didn't realize that. that make that. sense? Yeah, yeah. It's a really, it's a really cool thing. Is it
1: a, is it a limit to five, is it just five years I or think can you go in, longer?
0: I think it's different by state. Okay. And I think in Georgia, it might be, let me Google it.
1: I definitely check with your state's rules because each state can be, can be different, but that's an interesting uh, approach for for georgia to to front load it
0: yeah andrew i do think it's five years and i don't know all the specifics and i'm not going to get into it anyways because i'm i'm i never really want to give people like detailed tax advice but you should look into super funding because it's the reason i say it's good for early retirees is obviously because if you like I had more money over the last, you know, five to ten years than I have now or that I'm making now. And so the combination of that and also wanting to feel good about early retiring is saying, like, well, I've already put as much as I really want or plan to into a five twenty nine plan. And then also I get to benefit from more years of compound interest, which right. those two things. When you're when you're doing something like that on something that's already a tax advantaged way to save for your children's future, it's just an additional, you know, cherry on the top.
1: Yeah. So when you when you fund the Um, let's talk a little bit about what you can actually use it for so obviously college tuition it can be used for, but you can also use it for room and board. And then they recently changed it where you can use it for K through 12 education up to $10,000 per year. And that was a few years ago. And then most recently, they just changed it where you can actually convert now $35,000 from your 529 plan into a personal Roth IRA without any tax uh, tax hit. So if for some reason you overfunded your 529, Nine plan. Your kid's a star athlete. They get a full ride scholarship. Yeah. You don't need all the money. You can then convert some of it to a to a Roth IRA, which is which is really helpful.
0: Yeah, that was a really nice addition because forget the star athlete example. That's a you know small percentage of the world. But like in a state like Georgia, we have the Zell and Hope scholarships, and you just have to be a average student and you can get fully paid for it at a state university. And things like that have made me a little bit kind of apprehensive. About putting any more into a 529 plan lately, which will Andrew and I have kind of texted about this some. And someday maybe we'll do an episode because I need to, I have like, you know, the, you know, I have like the early inkling of a feeling that's not really fully educated yet. Yeah. Where I'm just like, I just don't feel comfortable putting any more into a 529 plan because there are limits on how I can use it. And I don't quite know why. And I've never looked into it. But also my 529. Maybe it's fees, but my 529 plans don't perform nearly as well as the other investments I have in index funds. And I don't know if it's a combination of like there's less good funds available and there's fees on them, but my year over year rate of return, like it's just not, it's subpar.
1: The Georgia 529 plan has a standard S&P 500 fund that I've been 100% in and is is performs I've not looked at it. It's within a couple hundredths of a percentage point. I think to the S and P five hundred. It's not meaningfully different. Yeah. So I've just we've we've only ever put money into into that S and P five hundred fund.
0: Yeah, which is why I say like I'm not I'm not fully.
1: Yeah. So there there's definitely there is an argument to be said that you could in a especially in a state like Georgia where they do have strong support for state schools that you could be overfunded and my my thinking on why I'm not too concerned with that is because the beneficiaries can be changed very easily. So there's a clause that says you name a beneficiary, our kids are the beneficiaries of that, but you can change the beneficiary to what's called a qualified family, another qualified family member. And it's a pretty broad definition. So it applies to aunts, uncles, first cousins, nieces, nephews, right? So there's a lot of people who you could change it to. And then also I think about master's degrees, doctorate degrees, yeah. Right. If your kids wanted to go, like, yes, it's designed for undergrad, but hey, any, any of the kids want to go to and get an MBA or any of the family members who I just talked to wanted to get an MBA, yeah. right? There's there's just a lot of things that it can be it can be used for. So that's I why- know. You're I,
0: getting me back on the 529 bandwagon. <laughs> but let me ask you a question. Tell me if yeah. you know this, the the room and board piece. So I know when it's like you're paying for a dorm or a meal plan, but just rent and expenses while they're in college. Can I use it for that? And how do they validate that?
1: I believe you can. I'm not an expert and I've not looked into it, but- I believe you you can use it now, whether it's like obviously it could be paid for with a dorm, but maybe you've got to provide some proof if you're renting off campus or something like that. But I, I'm i not 100 percent sure on that. Maybe we'll ask the listeners who who have got some college age kids.
0: Yeah, I do. I am curious for someone who has actually been through this. Okay, here, I'm actually, I'm on an article, but I'm not, we don't have to use this. So I was curious. Okay, off-campus housing and rentals are qualified up to the cost of room and board on campus. That's interesting. So if university-owned housing is 800 a month, then the disbursement for an off-campus rental can't be more than that. That is actually
1: That's very a generous. very
0: solid way to yeah. handle it. Yeah, absolutely. So it says, since room and board costs are qualified expenses, that means students with an on-campus meal plan can pay for it with the 529. Students living off-campus can designate food as a qualified purchase also, as long as the amount spent is less to or equal to what's included in the college's cost anyways. Okay. So you can pay for things like that. And I said off campus, it just gets a little trickier. It's based on what the equivalent amount you would be paying on campus. So you can't get too crazy with high prices. Okay. That is, that makes me feel better too, because I, again, being in the state of Georgia, I'm like, I've, if my kids choose to stay in state, they've got almost no tuition costs. Mm. And so I've got a college fund that is for room and board and has some limitations on it. Again, a lot of flexibility, but I just personally am kind of aiming to be like diversified. I certainly have money in 529 plans for all of our kids, but I also will just use other funds as needed, yeah. including some accountability with my kids, which we'll you know talk about as our kids are aging. If you're still listening to the Inside Out Money podcast.
1: And so, like with well, like with all investments, the earlier you start, the better. And it, I always like using the numbers to just show what it what what it can actually mean. And so, if if you were to start investing two hundred fifty dollars a month at eight percent interest over eighteen years, that's one hundred and twenty one k. You double it to five hundred dollars a month, it's two hundred and forty forty k. And then thousand dollars a month is four hundred and eighty three k. So with some modest monthly investments of two hundred. a month, you can have your college covered.
0: Okay, Andrew, you are a high earner. A lot of people cannot afford to put in $250 a month. I will just say that. But I'm just going to do this at t. Well, I say you, like we were both high earners. I just don't have a job anymore. But I never put that much in to, well, no, 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 that's not true. $250 a month is a few thousand a year. So that's not true. I when my kids were younger, I was doing that. I still am very excited to do a more in-depth college savings discussion because I we actually did one on Friends on Fire a long time ago, but my. My views have evolved as I've gotten older and had a number of conversations with people in college admissions, people in that work in college financing and financial aid, I mean, and just learned a lot more about some different things about what the true cost of college might be because everyone over over-sensati- sensationalizes how expensive college is going to be. And there yeah. actually are some very reasonable ways to make college not expensive.
1: I remember that episode from from Friends on Fire the, the yeah. net price, right?
0: Yes. Yeah. The
1: college. There's the sticker price and there's the net and price. And then there's the net
0: price. Yeah. And I learned that from someone recently and for, for more uh, private universities and not, not uh, ones that would qualify for the state yeah. scholarships. Okay. So another thing that I've gotten into very recently, I'm in the early stages of this, but I have set them up, is teaching your kids how to invest. So I went through a whole phase in the last couple of years where I was using the Stockpile app and then I got really mad at them and they have terrible customer service and they changed their pricing model and never told anyone and actually started selling off my kid's stock. This happened last summer while I was traveling. I'm not going to get into it, but... Their approach and policy, I think, was borderline, I was going unethical. Fraudulent. Uh, fraudulent. Yeah, like I, I never, I mean, I just didn't have time to deal with it, but I could have reported them to the FTC. So, the, but so I'm like not a big, I've talked about Stockpile before. I, I hate them and I'm not a big fan of it. But my point is there are a lot of apps like that that are, they're like kitschy apps. They're meant to help your kids learn how to invest mm-hmm. and buy fractional shares and all this stuff. You don't need any of that though. My current thinking is there is just like Andrew, we talked about in our very first Inside Out Money episode. Together, the what did you call it? Like the simple yet boring way to invest. Yeah, the simple
1: but boring way to invest, right?
0: It's index funds. You can set up a custodial account for any one of your children that is a minor, and that's what kids are under 18. And you can do it within your brokerage account. Almost all of them offer, I think every single one of them offers this Go Vanguard. Yeah, Go Vanguard. I use Fidelity. I set them up in Fidelity. It doesn't cost you anything to set up an account, there's not a monthly fee throwing that at you, uh, stockpile. And It is free and easy to do. And let me just talk about custodial accounts really quickly, just to give you guys a sense of what they are. So a custodial account is literally an account, and this could be a savings account. In this case, I'm talking about an investment account that is established on behalf of a minor child with an adult, usually a parent or guardian as the custodian, but technically it could be that your grandparents set one up for you. But I would suggest you do it as as the parent of the child. And they're acting as the custodian of the account until the child reaches the age of jurisdiction which in in the U.S. is 18, I believe, and everywhere in the U.S. it's 18. But the idea is I, as the custodian and the adult, actually open the account in the name of the child. And and Fidelity, there's a couple different types of accounts, but Fidelity uses what's called a UTMA account, which is a uniform transfers to minor account. But there's also something called a uniform gifts to minors account. And that's literally like the little letters that sit next to my account in my Fidelity app when I look at it. And I can open the account. Again, you could do this for a brokerage account, a savings account, a number of different types of accounts. I have legal responsibility for it up until the child reaches the age of majority, and then it actually moves over to them. And I I can't, once my, I've opened one, and once Kate turns 18, it is legally hers. I couldn't get to it if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. There's So there's no transfer that has to happen. It automatically is legally theirs at the age of 18, which is very different than like the way a 529 plan works, right? We, we still get to manage it and everything else. Correct. Your family members can make contributions. To it, which we'll talk about in a minute. But the other thing is, so you literally, it's just like your account. I opened it. It took me two seconds to do on Fidelity. It takes you two seconds to do in Vanguard, who, whatever brokerage you use, offers something like this. You set it up, you put money in the account, you buy investments just like you do in your own brokerage account. And so it is very easy to do. And you you can choose from all of the investments that are available. So I have started to purchase investments for our kids that are the same funds that we're investing in, right? The same simple low-fee index funds. And what's cool about this is this is the power of compound interest, right? You're starting them even before they turn 18 and could open a brokerage account themselves. And you're handing them something that, of course, we like we were talking about, the first thing you want to do is teach your kids about money. So the idea is not that they're going to sell this all off when they turn 18, but the idea is that you've now taught them the value and they've seen what it's grown to from whatever age to 18, and they want to continue to you know, put money into that. And I'm just really, I'm excited to start to get the kids to start putting money they've earned into this custodial account and start to like I'd rather them put money into this than a savings account if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it's it's an interesting approach to say hey, we're going we're going to teach you about investing early early on in in your life. Yeah, I started I started my introduction to investing was in middle school. There was a stock market club and we were so cool. we were picking individual stocks, right? Actually pulling the newspaper out and looking at the stock quotes on the newspaper every every day, and that was my my introduction. And it it definitely took me a while to get to the indexing approach. But I think I think it's important to teach the kids about like what is the underlying asset of the index fund? It's companies, right? It, these are the index funds are made up of individual companies and you own a slice, a very small slice of of that company and And the profits that that come with that. And I think instilling that concept is is key. But I've got to i have, I don't have any custodial accounts open, but it I probably will will go open some just so I can start putting in just a little, a little bit even each month. So then you can have the the history, right? So you can pull up the account and say, okay, in July of 2023, when you were 10 years old, I started putting in $25 a month, right? And just, just even setting up the, the infrastructure. So it's all there, right? You can adjust with $5. I think, I think Vanguard may have a minimum. I think you can only do twenty I think you do a minimum of twenty five dollars per transfer. So but but just creating that history, it's that's a pretty big teachable moment, right? At at 18, when you say, Okay, this has been in here for call it eight years for my youngest for my older daughter. Uh, and if you keep this going, uh, you could use it for a down per you know, down payment on a house or you can use it for buying your first car type thing, right?
0: On that note, Andrew, my last thing that I am big on when I think about setting up kids for financial success is getting your family and friends, perhaps, but mostly family members involved. Family members are often the people who, from when your kids are first born, are already trying to buy them stuff, And I'm so big on like, at the age of my kids now, they actually, there's something they usually want. But when my kids were like definitely zero to five, they didn't know, or they didn't need anything. They didn't appreciate anything. I don't mean they didn't appreciate anything, but like they get a bunch of, you know, they have a party, they get a few gifts. You give them a couple things. You give them like a wooden spoon and a bowl and they truly are excited. They don't need a bunch of crap. They don't need more stuff in their lives. They've got plenty of toys. A lot of kids have like a lot of hand-me-down toys from other um, friends and family members. And so I This is something where it it can just quickly add up and something that is like a bunch of gifts that won't be remembered when your kid's 18 can turn into money that's real. So I'll give you a couple examples. So let's say you have grandparents who they're spending a hundred bucks on your one-year-old to buy them like a bunch of silly things. And you can say to them, hey, I would much rather you put that money in their 529 account or I've opened up a custodial investment account. And like, I'd like you to buy them stock because think about how that's going to grow over the next 18 years for them. It could be less than 18 years because like you said, yeah. it could be that when they're 16, they use that. They can, we, you jointly decide together that they're going to use that money to buy a car. But I'll give you some examples that I did for for going from, you know, kind of 1 years old to 18 or zero a newborn to 18. $500 a year from a few family members. If that happened every year, right? That they you gave up gifts mm-hmm. and some of your family members put money into one of these accounts. If they did that every year for 18 years at 7% interest, that's $20,000 in the bank when they're 18. Let's say they just did it for one year, the very first year when they definitely don't remember any, I mean, they don't remember any of this stuff for a few years, but let's say they just did it for one year. When they were born, all your family put money in it, totaled up $500. That $500 at 7% interest over 18 years is going to be $1,700 in the bank. Now, I'm not going to do all the different scenarios for you, but let's say they did that for a few years. You're going to very quickly end up with enough to purchase a nice used car, enough to you know help them pay for insurance, whatever it might be. But I just think about that stuff that they do not need. And then being able to explain that, like we said, have these conversations and say, hey, when you were younger, your grandparents and your aunt and uncles and everybody, they put money into your college fund instead of buying you stuff. And like that 14 year old is really going to appreciate hearing that. I tell now I I tell my 14 year old, I'm like, hey, do you want me to take that thing? Like, I'll tell her I'm going to I'm giving the kids 20 bucks each for every book they read this summer. Now, I want them to put that in savings and not go blow it, which most of them are doing because they have other ways to earn the money they like to go blow. But I asked one of my kids, I said, I'm doing it, but I'm putting that money, that 20 bucks a book is going into your college fund. And they were like, that's fine. They know that that's going to be their money someday. And like, they understand the concept of saving. And so I'm just big on like every time a family member, like we've convinced most of our family members to like never give the kids anything and they put money into their college fund or now I'm going to start pushing people towards this custodial account.
1: That's awesome. Uh, I couldn't agree more with that. When we when we set up the 529 plans you can get they make it very easy you can just create a link that goes directly to the account and we emailed it out to uh, to family members and i would uh, you know talk to them and say just like you said the kid is going to be much more appreciative of the money after compound interest on their when they're in college that freshman year of college versus some other yeah. some other stuff for that they wouldn't care about
0: and the other thing kids don't know about like moderation so yes, as your kids get older and actually like see grandma coming into town and are like, wait, grandma didn't get me a birthday present. My kids actually used to sometimes say that, like as they got much older, they were like, they 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 could take inventory and they were like, oh, grandma Susan never got us anything. I'm like, grandma Susan's been putting money in your college fund every year for every yeah. holiday. Shh.
1: So what what my mom would do was she, she she was conflicted on that because she wanted to contribute to the five twenty nine plan but she still wanted the kids to open have something open.
0: That's but, my point about moderation. You could do both.
1: Yeah, and so that's what she would do. She she would do she she would do something where she'd get them something small to open and you know, whether it was a small game or something that she could play with the kids, and then she would would make a contribution to the 529 plan.
0: I I love that because moderation is hard and these trade-offs are hard as you become an adult, but when you're a kid, you don't really know that when you're five or six or seven or eight or even nine, you don't know the difference on whether grandma spent $50 on you or $100 Mm -hmm. on you. So spend, you know, like cut it in half because I agree there's a lot of parents where, or grandparents especially, where they don't want to show up empty-handed, especially as the kids get old enough to understand this stuff. But there's times where we'll have a kid's birthday party, which we spend a bunch of money to put on. And if people bring gifts, I'm like, well, you already got like 12 gifts. You don't need like a 13th gift, you know, like. And so I, I do think there's a time, too, where they're getting enough from a party, for example, where you it's easier to re- reroute the grandparents also because they know, oh, they're getting plenty of things and they're excited to hear that, you know, you put money into this account. So, okay. So I always like to make this actionable. How do we make this actionable?
1: I, I always recommend the same month your kids are born set up the 529 plans yeah it doesn't matter how much you uh, even if you're just putting in ten dollars right make yeah. it really small but set them up get the inf- get your bank accounts linked get the links created so your family members all have them and just just start early
0: and i, I like what you said earlier andrew about the custodial accounts and you were kind of like i don't even know what i want to do with this yet but you were like there's no harm in just opening them up and so i like the thought of just no matter what age your kids are so even if your kids are 10 and you're frustrated and just dis- you know you wish you had opened you meant to open up an account. I hear from people mm-hmm. all the time where all of a sudden their kids are 5 and they they kind of meant to open up an account a uh, 529 mm-hmm. and they haven't yet. Like go do it now, right? Go commit. It is on all of these financial topics. I believe it is never too late, right? What's that phrase on like the best day to the start? The best day
1: to invest was yesterday. The second best day is today.
0: Yes. So go start today. There's no amount too small. Just start with opening the accounts. Mm-hmm. And then yes, maybe, and you can automate this. So start putting five, $10 in a month as you feel comfortable, you know, push yourself to up that, but. I I would really push people to commit that if you don't already have these accounts open, open them and then pick a few things that you want to start to focus on with your own kids. And I think everyone's different based on the age of your kids, the style of your family, but just commit to do a couple of things soon with your kids to start being more open and honest about money. And just like we talk about having the power of having these conversations with money with other friends and family, like your kids are your family. So, you know, you know, take and making
1: making it age appropriate right you want yeah. you want to tailor it to to where your kids are so that it's it's age appropriate to to their development
0: yeah and on that note I mean there's books you can check out from the library that are little kid books like picture books about money and about saving mm-hmm. um, and so there, there's something for everyone there's there's podcasts your kids can listen to if there's teenager if they're teenagers there's books you can read to them if they're younger and I think to me just Everyday life, like be open about what's happening because kids learn from example. Yeah, we didn't. I didn't say that earlier, but I think a big thing is like lead by example, right? And you don't always have to lead by example. You're the adult. Sometimes my kids will point to something I do. That's the thing. That's a huge thing that changes as your kids get older. Andrew, they really throw a lot of things back in your face, or at least mine do, and they call out. They're they're very astute, and they're becoming fully functioning people, Mm -hmm. and they they call you on any inaccuracies of anything you've ever said i feel like i'm like a politician i'm like someone's going back and quoting something i said in 2018 and being like well this one time you told us that we couldn't do blah 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 and you just did that with your money and i'm like okay well just the difference is i'm the adult and i've earned the money so i I like to lead by example and i think it's important but sometimes i'm also like look just because i told you you couldn't have starbucks two days ago doesn't mean you didn't happen to just catch me walking in with a starbucks because i have a job well sorry, I don't have a job, but you get the idea.
1: The the example you setting the example, I think is key. And I actually asked a, f- a friend who whose kids just graduated from college. Like I've always been nervous I've I've always been nervous about like, how do you how do you ensure your kids will will be successful when it comes to money and their handling of money? And he said to me, he said the best thing you can do is is model the right behaviors. Your kids will pick up on that. And so that's kind of that stuck with me that yeah, you know, modeling the right behaviors is is probably the most important thing you can do because your kids are will pick up on it.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I like that phrase. And it's a good note to wrap up on, model the right behaviors. Okay, thank you guys for listening. We know your time is limited and valuable. We appreciate you spending some of it with us. If you have enjoyed today's episode, please give us a written review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We really appreciate it when you guys leave us reviews and I love reading them. I don't know how often you take a peek at them, Andrew, but there's some great reviews in there.
1: We also encourage you to share this episode with a friend or family member to encourage ongoing discussions about money. You can also subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have thoughts or questions, we'd love to hear from you. And you can leave a voicemail or text us at 404-981-3370 or hit us up on Instagram.
0: Okay. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Maggie. Okay. Bye.